ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of the Rich by Monday podcast. I'm your host, Jared Wilkins, the Google grad. Along oh, with I thought, yo, I thought we talked about this last week. <laughs> you introduced both of us. <laughs> And I'm Doris Creighton. Good. Oh crazy. man. Yeah, man. It's one of them days. Yeah, as you can it's, tell. It's, it's it's been uh, a tough 48 hours. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was looking for my glasses for like an hour, <clears> so you can see my eyeballs naked. So. <laughs> no more uh no more Kevin Samuels filter, huh? Right. I can't I can't look smart. <laughs> Look smart anymore. So you seen that picture of him looking like an auntie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It was like, it was like, yo, how you letting this dude talk to you? And he right. looked like this. It, yeah, it's something about I mean. like the, the super aggressive men who go hard on women. It, it's almost you almost think that they just didn't have no women back in the day at one point in their lives. I think that's the um, case. Yeah, it's like he I was think, never cool. I think that's it. You never could pull women, couldn't holler and spit, you know, back in the day, as we used to I think, say. I think, the, I think that's what it comes from. Like the, you had to go through, you had to put yourself through so many different like cycles of change to where mm-hmm. maybe he feels like, well, if I had to go through all this to get mm-hmm. all the women that I want and make these changes, like for me, you got to do the same right. too, you know? Yeah. If I, mean, I used to weigh, if I used to weigh ninety five pounds, and then I had to gain weight to be one hundred and ninety, mm-hmm. like you got to lose weight. Yep, yep. And yeah, <clears throat> very interesting. Um, very interesting. So yeah. Anyway, though, so um, I want to ask you though, uh, because um, it is a, it is a hot topic, and there's um certain parts uh, of it that I want to touch on. So I want to ask you, have you heard the new Jay-Z or DJ Khaled song with Jay-Z and Nas? Yeah, just ran it. Okay. Yeah, just gave it a run. So before before I give my opinion, I won't say opinion, but before I just point out some things, how did you, what was your first impression of the record? Uh, Well, I only gave it one run. I, I hate to... You know, not give music enough runs to give a full mm-hmm. opinion, but it didn't seem like immediate slapper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like immediate, like I'm, a, I'm gonna play this. You know, getting dressed, I'm gonna play this. And you know how you hear something for the first time, you're like, oh yeah, I know exactly. Like it's, it's like theme music. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't get that feeling. So I don't think you know it could be possible that you know it might after a few runs grow on you. But I didn't have like an initial reaction to it. Like okay. I need to hear this. Okay. Cause there there was a point. So Nas, Nas's verse was first, right? And mm-hmm. he mentions he mentions a lot of things or a lot of stuff about uh something or a particular topic that we touch on almost every episode, mm-hmm. which is cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Right. And um I'm probably, I don't want to say I'm against crypto. I just don't think we're in a space where, well, for one, 
I don't think the market really understands what it is and what it actually could be. And mm-hmm. I don't think the public fully understands like what it is as a store of value. I don't think they know what that is. Right. Right. Um, I think institutional, like the institutional level investors um, solely took a position in Bitcoin as like a hedge against inflation for the dollar. Mm. So they see enough public money there, you know, they'll go ahead and do that. They'll follow it. You know, I mean, cover their bets. Yeah. Cause you got to think, you got to think, do you, do you really believe that the value or the, the volume that Bitcoin has been receiving is only from like retail traders, like regular guys like us? Oh, no, no. It has to be institutional investors that have some type of investment in it. For sure. So um, I think you have to convince old money, you know what I'm saying, to, to view it at, through the lens of this can be an actual currency. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't would, think that's going to happen. Sense because if I'm old money, you know, I don't care about your new play money. You know, exactly. I have what, what works. You know, I, I think is for people who um, who don't have enough old money or the old fiat that they want to make a new game with a new one yeah. to come up on. So I can completely understand that. And who who's to say, like, the way we spend money now, is that not digital currency? Yeah, it is. It's like, I just, I just see, I see digital numbers go down in my, in my bank account. I'm not, I'm not handling real actual currency day to day. So, so I, I mean, I, I can I, see it's not a huge stretch. I saw, I saw a video, and again, I understand the use case of blockchain technology, a hundred percent. I'm strictly talking about like cryptocurrency, which is money mm-hmm. based on the blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. It's basically the internet of money. Mm-hmm. But um, I was watching a video of a guy who created his own coin called Pump Coin. Okay. Pump. Yes. Okay. And you can just pick any name. <laughs> he minted he minted so many coins. I can't remember all the details and I'm I'm gonna mess this up. But he minted so many coins and held a certain percentage of them so that as it gets released to the public and they continue to buy it up, you know, of course the value or the, the price of the coin will rise as demand rises because there aren't that many available. Um, and just by doing that, he was, his coin, like the market cap of his coin was like three and a half billion dollars. Wow. So he, he was worth three and a half billion dollars. Mm. So, so should we just make a coin? <laughs> you can, that's the thing. Like you, you, you <laughs> literally can, but if he, if he sold it, it wouldn't be that way. Cause the whole point of the only reason why the thing that was giving it value was the limited supply. Mm-hmm. So if he floods, if he dilutes the market, it's no longer worth that because he'd be dumping trillions of coins. Right, he's got the whole you know? tool. Yeah. yeah, I do like the idea that Bitcoin has a, um, I guess like a finite date where you, someone would mine the last Bitcoin. I think it was like twenty forty eight. So um, that kind of gives it like, a, um, I guess equivalent equivalency to like the gold standard where there's only so much. Um, uh, so much gold um, 
But so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I just really started looking into like Bitcoin and how the blockchain works. And uh, yeah. it's a pretty secure system. Like, mm-hmm. it, um, I guess the so many blocks are actually created, um, you know, from, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go into it. I really don't know exactly how <laughs> yeah. it worked, but it, when I looked at it, it seemed pretty secure. Like people could actually couldn't just like break into it. You have to have no, like it would, it would so take, many different people yeah. to verify that. And if and if you broke, if you let's say you did change a block, you'd have to change all the blocks before it, which is like completely like it's almost impossible because it takes ten minutes for each one to yeah. be redone. And it's just like no one's putting in that type of work. Nah, it would it would take a massive amount of like computer technology. Yeah. And to by do that time it's like it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Um, and that's why I understand the tech and I get, I get the concept of decentralizing currency to where similar to email, how email changed communication, right? Because mm-hmm. first, at first communication was basically monopolized by the phone companies. If you right. lived, if you lived in another country, I couldn't just call you directly. Mm-hmm. I had to go through the phone company. But then once the internet came and it gave us email and instant messenger, I was able to talk to talk directly to you, regardless of where you are mm-hmm. in the world. Right. And so if you, if you think of now, like the way we pay for things, like you pay corporations before you actually pay the person. Wait, if you think about in it, in terms of what, in terms of like the actual transaction. So if I go to the store to buy something, I'm using a debit card. Mm-hmm. So, so you're gonna I, pay. I'm 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 putting that in the in the little chip reader, right? And then the chip reader takes the money and then pays pays wherever whatever store I'm in. Sometimes yeah, they charge yeah, a fee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So all these people are getting paid before you actually pay the person. Right. If I want to give you money other than cash, there's really almost no way to just give you money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I understand how it, it kind of removes the need for like the whole middleman and, um, you know, the blockchain verifies all transactions. So it kind of removes the need um, or there it kind of removes the need to trust where it's going. The blockchain will verify everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I get all of that. But as a currency, right, to replace the dollar, I just don't. Well, first of all, let me go back to why I brought this up, okay, before we get too deep. I brought this up because Nas, in, in the beginning of his verse, he mentions, um, he, he says like a metaphor about Coinbase. Because mm-hmm. as, as we all know with what's been going around recently, he was one of the uh, early investors in Coinbase prior to the mm-hmm. IPO. Mm-hmm. Now, because he said that, understanding like the the cultural like penetration or the impact those lyrics will have to people who are now buying cryptocurrency, right? Mm-hmm. Who may not, they may not be, um, you know, they may not be fully educated on what's, what they're actually doing, mm-hmm. but they'll follow Nas because it's in a rap song, right? Right. So I started thinking like, well, why should I listen to Nas? Mm-hmm. When why should I listen to Nas about buying crypto? He said he's the cryptocurrency Scarface, right? 
Why should I listen to Nas? <laughs> I don't know if he has crypto. Right. Right. But he made he made fiat money off of a company that makes fiat money off of crypto transactions. Mm-hmm. So where's the crypto? You see what I mean? Like you you invested dollars into an, a company that makes dollars off of crypto transactions. So the only value you have is in the dollars. Mm-hmm. Where's crypto? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, it's, nothing's verifiable on the internet. You know, you can just really just say anything, you know? You can really, really just say anything. But I mean, if he did own something, I mean, he could he could pump pump the stock just in saying it. No, I mean you know? that's true. But he'd be he'd be pumping the stock of an actual um, like company. Yeah, that you can mm-hmm. buy with with fiat currency, not yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? So yeah, so it's like okay, if I'm listening to you to say okay, go and buy whatever, mm-hmm. go buy all this crypto, but you made the money that you're telling us about with fiat currency. Yeah. Yeah, but, Not but crypto. I can't get I can't get paid off of that. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't I can't get paid off of telling you to earn you know the fiat currency that's available to you and that's been around for years, decades and centuries. <laughs> you yeah. know, go get this new thing. And if it's exciting for people um, you know, they're more, more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's excited about go make more dollars. <laughs> go make more dollars, guys. Go, go to, go to school, get a job, make some more dollars, work harder, make more dollars. Like, no, how can I make, how can I make this new type of form of money that's going to make me a millionaire or a billionaire in the old currency that I'm used to? Because Aren't aren't we all just, I mean, isn't the point to buy the crypto and convert it back into actual dollars? That's what, that's what whatever I'm getting dollar, to. You know, so what are we, what are we doing? What are we really if, doing here? Is it like, let's only, get on this? If the only real value is when you exchange it to like fiat currency as that we use today, mm-hmm. then why, like, what, what is the real value? I don't know, because you can't you can't cash out until you actually cash out. I mean, and that's in everything. That's in all investments. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we're looking at long term. Even still, long term, you still you still going to cash out. So I have to think about like buying a home and and it going up in you know the equity going up, increasing over the years, and you want to pull equity out. Well, you, you have to actually physically do that or sell the house to get mm-hmm. the equity. And with, with stocks, it's the same thing. You still have to sell the stocks in order to get the cash mm-hmm. and put it, put it in play. Same with crypto. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's just. But those are assets. Okay. Those, that's, that's property. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is something that was literally created out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's given the value based on opinion. Now you can say everything has that value and, right. and, I'll give you that. But um, if, <laughs> if it's something, if it's something like that, 
what the the only tangible value of some, of something like that is when I actually cash in. Mm-hmm. If I hold it until I die, then what? Right. Yeah, I, I pass it. Yeah, like I pass it on. Okay, my kids inherit the flash drive, right? And then uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure we sound dumb. Right. I'm sure there's some people who who like are like you know deep in the blockchain and Bitcoin, right. and they're like, yo, these guys are ridiculous. <laughs> but you know, I'm just trying to flesh this out because you hear about it so much, and then everybody's going crazy, especially about like uh, I get like a million questions about Dogecoin like every day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. um. And it's hard to really like, you know, like today I talked, I talked to, uh, I talked to our good friend, Tyrone, shout out Tyrone. And he was telling me about, uh, he was telling me about something that just sounded really, really sketchy and -hmm. it involved Bitcoin. And, um, you know, I feel like the only reason why stuff like that exists, even if people like me and you who are buying it, won't use it for that. Right. I feel like the only reason something like that exists is to do uh, nefarious activities. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. You want to get nefarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I feel they, like that's the main been, thing. Um, they, they create a coin. I can't remember the name right now, but it was just for those things. Um, there's some particular way that Bitcoin was different and, um, you know, verifying certain users, but in this case, they didn't verify at all. So it kind of mm-hmm. left it open to, to be completely free to, um, you know, exchange, exchange these currencies without anyone ever knowing. So of course that opens up to uh, the world of crime, you know, which Bitcoin well, yeah, is already kind of used for, you're but avoiding this one was tax. like, it was completely, um, you know, free from any type of regulation that Bitcoin mm-hmm. um, was regulated around. So um, is it, I mean, is this like just a long form rate for people just to do drugs, you know, or buy drugs uh-huh. or buy, you know, buy things that, uh, you know, you don't want it to be traced? Probably. I mean, there's websites where you can literally send cash in the mail for Bitcoin. Mm. Like, I remember seeing that you know, almost 10 years ago, like there's a, you can go on there and you say, I want to sell either. I want to sell or I want to buy Bitcoin at this rate. And you make you, you, you know, you uh, construct a scenario with your end buyer at what price and they send you cash. They can send you cash in the mail Mm. and you send them Bitcoin. Hmm. So like that, that's, that, that is a, (laughs) you're avoiding like that's, that's tax evasion right there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it has to be like a, a good, you know, a lot of people might be using it to evade taxes. Kind of why Why the, not? Why why, why, yeah. why else would you have it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why do I need to convert it? something to Bitcoin? <laughs> like, why? Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that, mm-hmm. all that, I understand like his use case, but like, to me, like that, like I said, art and crypto is all money laundering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you start seeing NFTs sell for sixty-five million, um, you know these <laughs> multi-million-dollar deals, I can't help but think that's just a way to 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 earn a large write-off. Yeah, you know, I I can't help to think that, and um, 
you know, just like it is with, with physical art, the NFT is so crazy because you don't, you don't even have to, to hold it, right? You don't even have the, the, the um, at some point, like you, you can't ruin it. Like say for baseball mm-hmm. cards, for instance, if you have like a mint baseball card and it has to be kept in a certain plastic hard case, um, you know, put away. And if you get one scratch on it, it just, it ruins the value. In the case of NFT, like you can't do that. You can't ruin the value, but mm-hmm. it's still a one of one. You know, even with like baseball cards or Pokemon cards, you're into that too. Um, there was never a one of one. There's multiple. So I, I do see the value in having a one of one something that um, you know that goes up in value. But um, maybe maybe I'm just too broke. I don't have enough, enough <laughs> money to hide. You know, <laughs> to be like. You know, this, this NFT is like uh, really, like really cracking for me right now. I just, I just feel like it's a way to exchange money again without the government's involvement. Now there, there is value in that, right? There's mm-hmm. definitely value in that. <laughs> I can see how, I can see how one could find uh, value. In- I don't believe that, Mister FBI. So, <laughs> if you're on this line listening. <laughs> I believe in paying off my taxes. Yes, absolutely. But I could totally, I could totally see how, you know what I'm saying? If I wanted to, if I wanted to gift you like a certain amount of money without the government knowing about it or give you access to a certain amount of money without the government knowing about it, then I could see how you would use that. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't use everything they have available to them. And then yeah. we, we kind of talked about that last week, um, you know, people uh, using the tax code to, to uh, you know, lower their tax liability. And this is just another example of using something else, something new to, um, to reach your goals, which is to keep as much money as you earn and in your pockets and out of the pockets of Uncle Sam. So mm-hmm. it's just part of, it's just part of the game at this point. What I find funny though is that, see these these things run off of, they run off of hype, right? Just like stocks, right? There's anytime there's a rumor of something, there's always a run up, and then once mm-hmm. once the actual event takes place, everything falls apart, mm-hmm. right? Because there's yeah, there's no, there's no longer a reason, yeah. So I feel like mm-hmm. if if this does actually get adopted as some form of currency, right, or anything along those lines. Um, it wouldn't be as volatile anymore. Mm-hmm. It would have to be stable, right? So then that pushes the hype out. So then, what is it really worth? Because if mm-hmm. if if people are willing to pay fifty thousand dollars for a coin because they believe it'll go higher, and it very it probably will. I'm almost certain it will. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are also willing to pay nine hundred dollars for one share of Tesla, right? which is 900 times the, their net income. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, <laughs> there's literally thousands of other companies you could buy for, that make more money more consistently and faster that won't cost you 900 times their net income. Right. I mean, you know so, what I mean? I mean, we know. We know fundamentals don't have to make sense <laughs> for yeah. price to go up. Um, 
it's the same in real estate now. There's, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a rush to buy real estate. Um, but I kind of, I kind of understand that though because, um, you know, the old saying they're not making any more land. Um, that's true. At, at some point, we will run out, right? And it's not just. Uh, I think they're running out of land. People where where people want to be, right? And that's usually like the big the bigger cities, um, mm-hmm. the city centers like LA, New York, all these different large cities, Houston, Dallas, that type of thing. And people say now, you know, they really believe that real estate is going to go back down, you know? And I don't, I don't see any indicators. Uh, there's just a few things, right? There's, there's supply and demand, right? So mm-hmm. if I want to buy real estate, um, you know, I, I need I need something to buy, right? And if there's not enough available, that automatically increases the, the price I'm gonna have to pay. But um if um so now the whole thing is is the real estate will always go down, like it's, it's cyclical. So I wanna ask you a question. Do you think um right now we have any more room to run up right because it's kind of like the same as bitcoin there's a hype right now of, mm-hmm. i'm going i'm not going to be able to buy so do you think there's any correlation between uh the hype in things like bitcoin or real estate uh, mm-hmm. or what do you think no a hundred percent that is it's a is that um you know, even when you look at a stock chart, right? If you look at a stock chart, all it's showing you is the relationship between cost or hype and value, mm-hmm. right? You you can you can clearly draw out like moving averages over time, right? And then the fluctuations in price are all based on hype, news announcements, bad news, earnings. You know what I mean? So anytime. Anytime there's uh, some hype, there's always a continuation of that trend because people, the people who weren't in before want to follow it because mm-hmm. that's when that news gets to the guy who's, you know, sitting at the bar having a drink and his bartender mm-hmm. is saying, hey, man, buy some Dogecoin. Right. And so, <laughs> so you know, yeah, so then they go do it and then they tell their friends and family about it and it, it creates a thing. Now, in terms of want to get out. Exactly. In terms of uh, <clears throat> in terms of real estate um, here in California, like specifically, it's a number of things, but a big part of it is due to um, like very, very specific policies that exist, mm-hmm. not only at the at the state level, but locally. Right. And because because L.A. and San Francisco, they swallow up all of the jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just read an article that I think we talked about the other day that Apple is is um, is improving their campus in Culver City and adding 3000 more employees with an average salary of like one hundred and eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. Yeah, I, was, I was mad at that. So so here's <laughs> here's what here's what here's they, they ran up the price. Here, here's why it's things like that and then interference from the government. Right. Here's why stuff like that will drive the drive the prices up, because 
we all know LA County in most places, or now we have statewide rent control. But prior to last year, there it was in, it was mostly just LA City. Mm-hmm. So LA City and then any unincorporated areas, right. they went along with LA City, right? So what happens is when when the city needs tax dollars, because these people who live in these rent controlled units never leave, mm-hmm. why would they leave? You know, your no grandmother's reason. your grandmother's been living in this unit. And then when she dies, you move in, you inherit the unit, right? Because mm-hmm. the landlord can't kick you out unless he can prove it in court. And do you think your average landlord who's 67 years old, lives in a house nearby that they pay like 200 grand for and drives a dusty truck is going to take you to court and yeah. spend $50,000. Do you think that you think that would happen? No, that's not happening. Okay. So since these people don't leave, and and go out and do their own things buy more real estate locally because they they don't feel the need to leave they spend Mm -hmm. their access money on other things when these jobs come because the city needs the revenue so when these big companies come like google like in playa vista google imax youtube tiktok and culver apple um they can't hire locally because the people who live nearby are being subsidized Right. So they have to hire people from other places. Now, in order for those people to come out here, they have to pay them. They not only have to pay them for their job because they're specialized, right? They have to pay them to relocate. And if, if there aren't that many available units anyway, because the government is controlling the amount that's available, Mm -hmm. that increases the demand for units. And what happens is these people end up wanting to, they end up being able to pay whatever it takes to get into an available unit. So if, if the rent is 1500 and a guy comes in, he's, he's willing to pay 17 just to get in, then they'll get in. The next owner sees that and says, okay, now I can push the market. Now I can push it to 19. And that drives up rent because you got to think if you're paying 3000 employees, an average of, of $180,000, that's probably, that's probably over $600 million, if I'm not mistaken. Let's do, uh, see how much. 180,000 times 3,000, $540 million. So if you take that and then you look at, you look at how much is actually how much inventory on a dollar basis, like how much inventory is actually on the market. Is it 504? It is period in that moment. Is there $540 million worth of inventory? No. Near that area? No. So take, let's take a quarter of it because say only a quarter of them actually go out and buy real estate. So you can divide that by four. 135 million. Is there actually 135 million dollars worth of inventory on the market? No. So that creates a huge demand for property and the prices mm-hmm. rise. People who can not only afford the rents, right? But the people who can go out and afford the higher prices in real estate. Because if if it's two employees, they're making almost 400 grand a year. So a home that might be 800 to a million. They can live in that, no problem. Mm-hmm. If they got to pay an extra two, three hundred over, so what? 
Yeah, right? I just did a little math on it for a person is making one hundred eighty thousand. You're making about fifteen thousand a month, and the typical person, um, they say you want to spend about thirty percent of your monthly income, about 30, 33% of your monthly income mm -hmm. uh, going towards rent or mortgage, right? And that number comes out to 4,900, about close to $5,000. So you basically pump um, new Half employees that are dollars, able, bro. new employees from wherever that are able to pay at least $5,000 a month in rent. And the reality is when, when you're coming to a new city, you're trying to get the most for your money, but you're also not trying to spend all your money, of course. Mm -hmm. But if you can allocate $5,000 to rent, that gives you, you know, a pretty good, pretty good, um, you know, a lot of different choices. <laughs> yeah. Know? And, and uh, if you have to absolutely live there to get close to your job, you're willing to pay a premium so you can accomplish that. Absolutely. Right? Um, I just, uh, just put a new client in a new property. Uh, well, not a new property, but um, their new home, and um, and they their their whole thing. She works in tech, and she wanted to be closer to uh, this particular company, right? And um, you know, with the market being absolutely crazy, you know, we had to pay you know a premium to get her there, right? Yes, because her mm -hmm. use case is different. Her use case is I have the money to pay for it, and I want to be close to my job. I'll pay. Excellent I'll pay extra, yeah, right, 100%. Um, the other thing is for people who've already been there, right, in, in LA, who um, who haven't had any type of increase in income for several years, you know, maybe three years, five years, 10 years, a few decades, mm -hmm. there's no way you can keep up with the market. No, it's no way. So, um, um, it, it's <laughs> it's not too many things you're able to do. You know, if if we want to live, if everybody wants to really, you know, champion capitalism, you have to you have to be able to also know when it's time to go, right? Yeah. So you can get more for your money, right? So um, if you've been making you know X amount of money for the last five years, six years, seven years, is is more is more unlikely that you're gonna make you're gonna double that the next year. Right on your eighth year, your ninth year, your tenth year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially depending on what industry you're in. So you have to make a real choice to figure out uh, what can I do with the income that I have uh, that can allow me to get, you know, more for my money. Now, when I say that, everyone's not able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, everyone's not able to do that. So, um, but you know. You have to make real choices. You have to make real choices. Um, um, that's going to be the best for your family, and mm -hmm. um, you know, with with the competition of so many people, and just an example, who can pay the rents, can afford to pay the rents. Because um, that's the thing. A lot of people say, "Who's going to pay this rent?" Just because you've been there for <laughs> twenty years, thirty years, and the rent is, you know, the the, the economy has pushed forward and moved forward. Um, just because you don't know, just because you can't pay for the rent or you don't know 10 people around you who can pay for the rent doesn't mean someone yeah. doesn't have the funds to do it. So um, I think often at times we don't have enough data, enough real data around it to make real decisions. We go off the data of, you know, what, what we experience day to day and what the 
closest three or four or five people around us experience. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, a good collection of data to make your decisions. So no. <laughs> no. But I think I think also a big part of that is because this is why, and we're gonna get canceled again. I swear every episode <laughs> we're gonna get canceled. This I've been bit, drinking, I think I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> I'm definitely, definitely. Um this is why rent control doesn't work. But see, and that's why I said like a big part of it has to do with our politicians. I'm not taking sides. I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong. Rent control policies do not work, but local and state politicians will tell you otherwise, right? They'll say, hey, I got your back. I'll make sure that your landlord can never never evict you, Mm -hmm. ever, right? But then they'll turn around and make a deal with the company to bring them here and bring jobs here. And then if, if that brings higher paying jobs here that require advanced degrees that people who live locally don't have because they're being subsidized. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, right? If if I'm looking at my circle and we all grew up in rent controlled apartments and the reason why we're there is, is to keep our overhead low so we can have money to spend on other things. Now, unless you're someone, I'm not saying that's everyone, okay? Everyone doesn't do that. But when you look at the numbers, if the government is saying, I got you, and your rent will never change, chances are you will never leave. Mm-hmm. And these, and you, you won't really do anything to better your situation because you don't have to. I don't have to go do this. My rent, $300. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. it's tough to get away from that. Yeah. But when you live in, in states like California, you can't just sit on your laurels here. It's just you just can't. No, um, you have to. But our be politicians, real, you have to be ready to move. <laughs> the politicians will tell you that you can, and then go and make a deal, right? Yeah. Uh, Gavin Newsom did it a couple years ago when he was making the push for statewide rent control mm-hmm. and trying to allocate so many dollars for affordable housing. But then he goes and makes a deal with Apple for two billion dollars. Right. Right. So I'm you, not making this have, up. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't bring no. more dollars into the market that's gonna that's gonna generate higher rents, right? Because people really want they want the money spent in the city. Right? Yes. They want the money spent in the city. So when you go spend your dollars at the grocery store, you know that that's taxed. When you go out and buy a new property, right? New money, new money, new family, young families, they buy new properties, <clears throat> not necessarily new properties. <clears throat> Excuse me. They buy they, another property. They buy a property, right? Mm-hmm. And when you when you're a new person, you buy a property. That means you're getting taxed at today's rates, right? Mm-hmm. So that's income for the city. Um, all the older people who always who who've owned homes for 10, 20, 30 years, they still have the tax base from 30 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So they're not generating more money for the city. Mm-mm. So which is which is why you want new people to come to your city. Um, spend their money in the, the stores, local stores and buy housing because you're going to generate more money for the city. Old people, older people who've been in the city, I'm not talking about physically aged, but people who have been there uh, mm-hmm. for 10, 20, 30 years, most likely as you age, you're not going to spend more money. You start drawing back on spending your money, mm-hmm. right? Because you're going into retirement. Uh, who spend their money the most? Young people, right? The demographic that's you know 18 to 34, you know, new families who are having new kids, 
They're going to go buy new strollers. You're going to buy baby clothes. They're going to want certain things. So it's a benefit to have new people come to the city. But you can't say, I want new people to come to the city. And at the same time, I want to forever subsidize people who've been here too. It just, the numbers just won't work. It just won't work, right? And when you talk about making more affordable housing, um, I mean, there's so much around that, right? It's so much (laughs) around making new affordable housing, right? Uh, The first thing is, is actually having someone to build it, right? If I'm a builder, what do, I, what do I get out of making affordable housing, right? Because this is, this is we want to make profit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone wants to make profit. So why wouldn't you think the builder wants to make profit? This is their job, right? So they want to build something and they want to sell it or rent it for more than what they bought it, right? That's simple, simple economics, right? Mm-hmm. So if I want to build something and the city says, hey, um, you know, I really want you to make this affordable housing. And you say, no, that's actually not going to make me money. You know, I have to make X, Y, and Z. I got to sell it at this. The rents need to be this. It, it just doesn't, pencil doesn't make sense. Well, we're going to subsidize you to build, um, you know, 10% of these units you're building. I'll just make them affordable housing. You know, uh, I'll give you, you know, tax breaks for you to do that. Builder says, okay, I'll do that. Um, you know, you build a hundred unit building and now 10 of them are affordable housing. Now as a politician, I can go out and say, Hey, look guys, look, we have new affordable housing. Yeah. It's coming in this area, <laughs> 10 units. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like really, oh, really? Man. I mean, wh- what are we really doing? So, I mean, there, there, there's so much political um, tomfoolery. <laughs> around affordable housing <laughs> they use a, a biden term. <laughs> wow we getting old man <laughs> man it's just it just i forgot where i was going with that but um okay so that's that's one thing right um and then the, the the cost to actually build the property you know lumber is shot out the, out the roof mm-hmm. right to actually build things is too expensive Mm-hmm. There's another reason why the the property has to sell for a certain amount or it has to rent for a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think it's an example of politicians wanting to have, uh, wanting to have, uh, you know, their cake and eat it too. They can look well, like they, the good guy. They want votes. Know, and play both angles. Yeah, they, they want votes. They need votes. It's their job. If if you If you flip burgers at Burger King, your job is to flip burgers. Mm-hmm. That's what you come in and do every day. If right. you're a politician, your job is to get votes. Stay it's that power. simple. Yeah, that's it. Your job is to get votes and toe the company line, right? So whatever whatever comes down from the top, you have to carry out, regardless of how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you have aspirations beyond where you're currently at, you have to toe the company line. So hopefully mm-hmm. one day get that call that you could be on the ticket, you know, to be a president, a presidential mm-hmm. candidate. You see, um, you see, uh, Kamala Harris kind of walk back in um, that uh, there is no racism in America. No, I did not. I did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Um, honestly, I had, I haven't. You know, what's funny, man. And I knew it would be like that. But once, um, 
I know we shouldn't be talking about politics because people always assume you're on one side or the other. You they can't say, be objective. Yeah, you can't be. No, no not, um, not anymore. Somebody's going to take this clip. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that makes us popular. They're against but, um, affordable housing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't really paid attention. And only because the last four years have only been about getting the, the previous president out. Right now that he's out, there's nothing. I think Joe Biden's been outside twice, mm-hmm. right. and nobody cares that he's only been outside twice because mm-hmm. you just don't have the other guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I, I haven't really even um, I haven't even really been paying attention to it. Like I really just been yeah. focusing on other stuff. Yeah, I just I just seen that come up today, and I was just like, oh, okay, there's another um, guy. He's a Republican guy, black guy. I can't remember his name. Um, but he spoke at the um, the RNC, and he was talking talking the same. I think thing. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think I know. Mm-hmm. He looked like a he looked like Franklin Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I think it's dope to have. I think it's dope to have a female in the White House. I think that was oh, long yeah. overdue, 100%. right? Um, but I would be. I would be lying 100% if I said I knew about anything they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. And I think they're doing a good job of um, not putting a lot of that information out. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're all kind of like, okay, with not being on the world coaster anymore. I think we're all kind of okay with being like having this sigh of relief. Of like, okay, yeah. I don't have to look the next dumb thing that happened or what was said. Or <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's, it was, just make it my politics boring again, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make my politics boring again, you know? Yeah. You know, old white guy in the White House mm-hmm. doing president things and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> saying things and saying speeches. He, just, he make <laughs> you feel like you could just stop by and he's at home. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, yo, is Joe home? Man, let's go. Let's go see if right. Joe home today. But um, but in general, yeah, we should. Uh, I am taking a break, a mental break from politics. But uh, yeah, we should be on his head, just like everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm always looking for something to come down that's gonna uh, benefit, uh, particularly the middle class. You know, because as a young adult and all the way into adulthood, I've never seen anything that that really, really helped the middle class. And, and this is people who aren't, you know, super poor or struggling, but they have a little money. They're trying to, you know, get their stuff together. They're trying to move, mm-hmm. have some type of upward mobility. And it just seems like there's nothing for them, you know? Well, it's... it's um, and that's us, because I consider myself middle class. So. <laughs> I think it's too... I think it's too... It's depending on who you are. I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Depending on who you are, right? I think, I think that's a tall task. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you focus your efforts on them, which ultimately would would um, I believe would strengthen, you know, would only strengthen like us um, as a nation financially, mm-hmm. yeah. but it would also strengthen our our economy. Mm-hmm. But it's tough to do that because those are the people who pay the bulk of the taxes. Right, one hundred percent. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? In terms of in 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 terms of uh, beyond people who own businesses and the millionaires, right? Because in California, I think like forty one percent of our tax dollars come from like two percent of the population, mm-hmm. right? So the remaining portion of that, a large portion of that, comes from the middle class, mm-hmm. right? So those people have to basically, along with the other two percent those people have to carry the load of the entire state. Yeah. You know, so um, it's tough because you want to push them to do better, but you're going to do things to keep them there because the state needs the money. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, that's just what it is. Like this is, everything is a business. It's all economics. Right. And I think that gets, I think that gets overlooked um, a lot. Like we're all employees of the business of the United States of America. That's why we have, mm-hmm. that's why we have a social security number. That's our tax mm-hmm. ID. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult. I think they do. I think a lot of that information is there. It's just on you to go ahead and act on it. Right. You know, so going, going back before I get, before I go there though, cause I got something to add to that going back to your question about the real estate, if I see real estate, you know, rising and coming down, I do think in areas where there's, where jobs are pretty much like, there's like a hub, like a central hub for jobs. Mm-hmm. I think those markets are, are remain strong because even if the federal reserve raises uh, rates, they can still afford to live there. Yeah. Yeah. I heard somebody say today that, that um, if they raise rents or if they raise interest rates, people would stop buying. And I don't think that's true. Actually, I think that was Dave Ramsey. And, um, um, you know, if it went up from, let's say we had 2.9%, if it went up to 4%, 5%, people would stop buying. And I don't think that's true. Well, um, depending on where you live, definitely. They, they would they would um, be able to afford maybe a little bit less, but I think they will con- continue to still buy. Unless you like completely pushed out the market. If you're on a lower end, uh, you're, maybe you're just barely qualifying for, for real estate or qualifying to buy a property, then yeah, I think you'll automatically be pushed out. Yeah, but those are the people who are buying. You know, well, it's the, it just, just think, of, think about 2007. Think about 2007 and 2008, where you can get a house off the street. It had a no income, no job loan, mm-hmm. right? I can just literally go and grab somebody off the street and say, and put you in a house, mm-hmm. even if you didn't have good credit. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So think about it. Anytime, anytime the money is too cheap or, or widely available, you're expanding the buyer pool. So the people who are, who are trying to buy initially were people who probably couldn't afford say 800 to a million dollars at mm-hmm. 5%. But now that rate has been cut in half and even just 2%, like even just a, a 2% cut in terms of interest rates could allow you to borrow like 10 to 15% more money. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? But you, you think about someone who, who, who can afford to buy, you know, a 900 million, $1.2 million property, uh, more than likely they're not at the top of what they can afford. That's for people who mm. like getting in the first time, first time. I don't know. Go to the top. 
I don't know, man. Not not out but, here. Out here, that's just, that's what it that's what it costs. I know to, that's what to it costs. To get a starter home, I think um, people who who are qualified they're a little bit more conservative and and going to their top their top price. Uh, at least that's been my experience dealing with clients mm. who who are in that that price range. Um, they could afford more, but they'd rather be a little bit more conservative, which makes sense. Which makes sense because. Um, you know, when you make a, a certain amount of money, you have more choices, and mm-hmm. and you don't want to uh, over leverage yourself. Uh, it's very, I think it's uh, well, I, I know they're out there, but uh, usually when people are one to to uh, you know be some type of first time buyer and go buy real estate, they're looking at the most that they can afford. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like when people go to the dealership and the dealer says, okay, you're looking for a new car. Okay. I can put you in it. Well, the first thing they ask you is how much do you want to pay a month? Right. Mm-hmm. And you tell that person, I want to pay $600 a month. Okay. Let me tell you what you can get into. Right. That's people actually looking at how much they can afford based on all their liabilities they have and what's left over. That's normal for most people. Mm-hmm. So I think people who who um, who do make more than than what's needed, they have the choice to, you know, not hit their 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 top their top um, um the top amount that they can actually afford. So I mean, this is all speculation. I have no data beyond this. <laughs> I mean, normally, <laughs> I no, no I data do think, support. I do think there's a large. A large group group of people who do operate that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because even just in terms of the down payment, now of course that depends on where you live, right? Because that would determine how much you would need to put down if you get government financing or not. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but normally, I, normally I would just agree. But houses out here are selling for, you know, eighty thousand. 120,000 over asking. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen by we're looking for the least amount to spend. Yeah, well, no, not in this market. Yeah, like you yeah, don't, you this don't, market is completely different. You don't waive your appraisal to, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're doing that because you're trying to get in. You just need to get in whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. If I got to pay more, I want to get into a house. Yeah, um, because my, for people now in this in this market, their use case is different. Like we talked about this. If I want to be closer to my job, uh, that's paying me two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand, and it's going to make my life better. Now I'm, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, there's people right now that you have to pay, and when you when you in this market, people understand that paying over over market value is not. It's not like a, a dumb thing. It's you're paying, you're basically paying the future value up front, right? And if buyers, if buyers can, if buyers decide that this property is worth this to me, then that's what it's worth. It's like mm-hmm. if I had a um, an orange and I said, I have an orange and I want to sell it for $10. And you say that orange, I can get that orange for $5 but you're in a market where there aren't oranges available and I only have the one orange and I'm, I'm offering $10. Mm-hmm. 
and somebody else comes and says, well, I'll offer you 15, then that's what that thing is worth. Mm -hmm. So we can do all we can to look at uh, previous comps or previous sales, but previous sales don't dictate uh, future value, right? It's only, it's only like a small indicator of what we think things should be worth. So in a market where uh, there's buyers, uh, more buyers than there are sellers, um, that value fluctuates. So we're trying to figure that out as we go. And you can see it in the amount of offers that you receive. Mm -hmm. If I receive, you know, 10, 10 to 12 offers on a property and they're all 50,000 over asking, um, that property is not overvalued or they're not, they're not paying more than what the property is worth. They're paying what the market is, is um, gardening for that property or what, what the market is, um, um, you know, uh, what the market, what the market says the property is worth mm -hmm. in real time. Right. There's a, there's, there's cases where, um, you can, you can, um, you can basically tell the appraiser, uh, if I have so many properties, if I have, it used to be, you can have like a minimum three offers. You can show the appraiser and say, Hey, this, I have, you know, I know the property is marketed for 500 or 700,000 but I have offers at 750,000 at least three, four offers. You used to be able to show the appraiser um, those comps basically of people willing to buy it and they can, you know, they can change their, um, they can use that in their appraisal because mm -hmm. it shows the market, um, the market in real time. So I don't know if they do that anymore and I could be talking on my ass, but it used to be there. I mean, it, it doesn't you know? matter though, if you can waive the appraisal, like it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter yeah. what the property appraises for. If I'm willing to say I don't care what it appraises for, I'll give you an extra hundred fifty, right. two hundred thousand yeah. dollars. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you're just you're paying for something just to have it. Now I I think I do think there are specific reasons and specific instances where that's okay, but um, in large, like I I think that's I think that's weird. It's weird to 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 pay five. What's it fifty thousand for a coin, an internet coin? I know it's just it's all like, the same. All this, to me, like, it's all the same. I think it's all the same is, to me. <laughs> it's all like, the same. This, like this why? Is all just weird. Why would I go pay? It's like okay, the PlayStation Five comes out, and if you want one today, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. So, but we all know that the value of this thing is is four ninety nine. At least the real the the market price, right? Mm -hmm. It's four ninety nine, and then once. Once we get two years in the cycle, it'll get discounted mm -hmm. to two ninety nine or something. But that, that's based on previous. Your, no, your it'll happen. Experience the period previous experience in the PlayStation market. No, it'll happen because they're going to release new hardware. Like that's what they do. They they reproduce things. They make it when it's expensive, and then as time goes on, it gets less expensive to make it. Just like TVs, right? Mm -hmm. TVs come out. They'll be ten thousand dollars for the new. You know. QZ LED TV. Right. And then three years go by, it's at Costco for 1500 Right, right. That's what you I You know what I mean? Yeah. I knew you would come down. So, like, it's... Yeah. I under, I understand why someone would go and pay more for that. Like, I get that 100%. I'm just talking about certain, like, very, very specific economic factors that exist that could potentially lead to things turning the other way. 
Because if you can't borrow, right, it doesn't matter what you think your home is worth if nobody can actually qualify to buy it. Mm-hmm. And if we if we allow the because we they've printed trillions of dollars, right? We're already seeing we're already seeing inflation happen. And they're saying they're saying they're gonna go ahead and try to taper it off once um you know once the unemployment rate continues to rise they have tools as they say they have tools to kind of taper it down to to regulate the effects of it but if our economy is running rampant and things are just exploding right because they printed all this money and now things are way more expensive because the dollar is worth less and then you go and raise rates to try and slow down spending and all this other stuff you can get a period where everything is expensive, right? And the money is still relatively cheap, but it's still not cheap enough for people to go actually borrow money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If the house, if a house is 1.2 million today, and then in three years time, that same house is $4 million. And they say, okay, we're going to raise rates to 5% to taper off inflation. They will who's going to borrow, who's going to borrow $4 million at 5%. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it's not that somebody might not have the money. It's, it's just too expensive. I, I right. Can... And so that's when, that's when prices begin to, I guess I'm looking at it and the fed has already said that they're going to raise rates in a minimum three years. Mm-hmm. So before, before I do anything, I'm going to wait until they actually raise rates to see how the market reacts. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that's that's what I would do. It's so interesting that it, rates are low, so the companies that are coming in, like your, your apples and Googles, they're coming in. They because we don't we never think about it as in terms of companies are also able to borrow money at these low interest rates, right? Lower, yeah. Which which um or some, yeah sometimes nothing, so they're able to, you know, hire more people, like in the case of Culver City. Apple mm-hmm. have three thousand more people coming in. They're able to kind of push, push the market because they can borrow at um, you know very low interest rates to to hire people. That's always the case, right? If my interest if the interest rates are low, I can invest more into my business and hire mm-hmm. more people and create more jobs. Um, but um, so it sounds like you're saying there's there, there's an end to that at some point. Yeah, because they once won't. You, once you raise rates, <laughs> people will stop. <laughs> stop uh, hiring more people, <laughs> and then uh, the economy will uh, crash. I won't. I'm not saying it's gonna crash. <laughs> I'm saying there's there's gonna be a point like if if we were looking at a chart, it would be what's called parabolic, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just going straight up, and nothing, nothing is ever just going straight up. So mm-hmm. to think that things will just continue to like how. Even if not even mentioning all the economic factors, just in just thinking about it in like, you know, in theory, Mm -hmm. things would just always go up. So you you mean to tell me they just go up every year until you die? Like that's that's not economics. There's very there's very specific components involved that create these things. One Mm -hmm. of them being them printing trillions of dollars to get people to spend it. Right. So if they get people to spend the money the jobs have to hire people to take on the load, right? In turn, they 
they absorb uh, a, a large portion of the unemployed, creating competition for the jobs, meaning employee or employers have to pay more to employees. Mm-hmm. Because they have to pay more to the employees, the cost of their goods increase to pay the new salaries. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's then passed down to, you know, the regular consumer. Like that's the whole point of stimulus. Well, if you continue to do that, you know, things get really expensive. Now, yeah. until they until they absorb whatever their their desired unemployment rate is, then they're going to raise rates. Like mm-hmm. the, he's literally Jerome Powell has literally said that. Right. He said we're printing money until until we get the the rate of unemployment that we desire. At that point, we'll raise rates. So knowing that, right? Knowing that a person who qualifies at three point two percent to buy a one point two million dollar home, mm-hmm. if rates go up to five percent, that's not the same. No, you're not qualified for like eight hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's and the only reason why something is worth what it's worth is if somebody's willing to pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're talking about like uh income property where you can add you can add value through in the increase in income. Mm-hmm. You can increase rents or get new tenants or whatever. But in terms of like single family homes where it's just comparative or comparables, that's a little bit different. So I'm not saying it won't I'm not saying it's going to crash and fall apart. I just know that this is an obstacle that exists, whether it be three right. years, four years, this is an obstacle and we've never been through that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like, for me, it would be tough to make a long-term decision, like borrowing a million dollars to buy a home, knowing that we have this obstacle a couple years out. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what you have to, you know, again, that's what you have to deal with when you're making these decisions. And, and we talked about on a lot on the last podcast, uh, or the actually the one before it, um, staying disciplined, right? When, when you have your set criteria, and you're developing your discipline, you will be wrong a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You'll be wrong more than you're right. Right. But the point is, if this doesn't fit, what I would like to see for me, it doesn't fit what I would like to see Then I can't do it. I can't justify it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And cause I would hate being that we were involved in 2007, 2008 and seeing those people who paid six, $700,000 for their homes only to have their home be worth, you know, $250,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like what? Like, I mean, in some cases, those homes also weren't around uh, some type of economic base, right? Exactly. Did, did Gardner yeah. garnered any type of uh, that type of income for people mm-hmm. to to live in those certain areas? So, um, another thing we don't, we don't consider now is that the pandemic changed a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them were was um, the ability to work from home. There's a lot of companies that are willing to have their employees work from home uh, permanently or going into office maybe two or three days a week. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to going to change the game for for um, homes that were considered, um, you know, too far to commute to. Now they're now they're an option for many buyers. So I know we talk about um, 
you know, real estate that, that doesn't make sense if it goes up, if people in those areas can't afford those homes because they don't have the jobs, mm -hmm. right? But now people are able to move a little bit further out from their where their job is because with the ability to uh, work from home. So I think we're going to start to see um, some of these um, different infill areas that, that weren't desirable because it's just too far from wherever they mm -hmm. work um, now being an option. And I think it, it, I think it will push up, you know, certain suburbs that are not so much in the city, but on the outskirts, that's, um, you know, where, where um, property will, will continue to go up. Oh, a hundred percent. Now, a hundred percent. Now we don't know. See, I agree that I feel like in history has showed that things don't go up forever, right? But we also have been saying that for eight years, right? Mm -hmm. So we're <laughs> we're in a situation right now where everything is different. And you mentioned there's been a lot of money pumped into the system, right, in terms mm -hmm. of stimulus. But when it comes to, you know, qualifying for homes, these are people who show the income to qualify for these homes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't just get a home just because the stimulus pumps. <laughs> you know I mean? no, no, um, no, 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 but you, you, you get, you can have, it's not so say, especially if you're coming from a different home, if you're coming from a home that you already sold, right. Mm -hmm. Then you're coming with massive equity. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like one of Vita's friends who lives in the Bay, he bought his, he bought his condo for a hundred and like $10,000 mm -hmm. and he just sold it for like a half a million. Right. Right. So he's coming with a down payment of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not to mention any other money that he had saved. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's it, it works in two ways. Like it's that there's people who have retirement savings because they've been on their jobs for so long. Mm -hmm. That's how that's how you have the capital and not to mention uh, people who have family money. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, you know. You know who, especially out here, like they have family money and, and they mm -hmm. have a trust, or the parents gave them some money. Like, you know, it's there's many factors. Like, it it didn't just affect the home price on the back end. Like when you go to buy, it also affected things on the front end because now all your equities are worth more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So your your retirement accounts are worth more. Your like all your four hundred one k's, all that. Mm -hmm. You have way more money in there. And if you had a house before, it's worth more. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can come in potentially if you've been on a job for 10 years, working and working and working. And even if you had the income, but you didn't necessarily have the down payment just because of where you lived and where you wanted to buy. Right. Mm -hmm. And the type of loan product that would be available to you. But then this happens, you know, then, then, then the market goes up, you know, <laughs> like even if you just invested in Tesla, like Tesla's up like 1800% in the last year. Yeah. that's a lot you know what i'm that's saying all so, of the percentages yeah so uh you know you gotta think about it there's it affects other things like it's not just the house like there's people coming in with cash that's how they're mm -hmm. able to pay over asking mm -hmm. you know yeah. so i'm not saying like again i'm not saying like it yeah because if people don't know once you raise or waive the appraisal which we didn't kind of touch on if yeah. you're waiving an appraisal um the bank is only going to lend up to the appraised amount Mm -hmm. the property so let's say the the property appraised for a million dollars and you offered a million 
five, or let's say a million, million fifty thousand. The bank is going to loan on that million dollars um, appraisal, and then you'll have to actually bring in the additional fifty thousand in cash. So that's what's happening now, um, which is a benefit to <laughs> selling your property and and using the cash to buy your next property, or the benefit mm -hmm. of having uh, you know coming from that. Um, yeah, I won't even go into that. Not to go into that. <laughs> I think we already uh, we already kind of touched on it the last yeah, I don't episode, wanna, but I don't want to keep harping um, on that. But yeah, so I mean, it, it's but that's those that's are things the benefit of being able to uh, participate in the game um, <laughs> because once you um, once you move forward decades later, you're able to um, utilize the money you've had by uh, participating in the real estate game. Yeah. So um, we, we still have that available to us now um, in, a, in a different way. So, well, in, in, a, in a way that it's, it's more um, accessible, right? And not yeah. denied. So we appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, even, um, I think about things differently because I'm always looking at it from like an investment perspective. Like, how is the money working, right? I know the average person is not going to think about it that way, and I don't expect them to. Mm -hmm. So if someone doesn't see, if, the, if someone doesn't see it the way I see it, like, that's fine. It's just how my brain operates, right? Mm -hmm. Like, to me, I don't get it. But that doesn't mean that I'm right. I'm willing to be wrong because I don't get it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so learning how money works, learning how to invest, you know, these are things that people aren't necessarily taught, you know, they, unless you have someone to teach you. Right. And, um, and I say that to say, because a big argument amongst a lot of people, especially people who are famous and have a voice is don't go to college because they don't teach you how to, um, invest and be entrepreneurs and all these types of things. Mm. So um, I want to ask you, do you feel like uh, the education system is flawed, especially the HBCU system, because they don't teach you how to do these things? Mm. No, I, I think it's working exactly how it's supposed to work. Uh, the system of sending people to any type of education, um, any type of education system, you want the person to go there and learn X, Y, and Z so they can enter the, mark, the, the workforce and have some type of, um, you know, some type of income that, that can sustain their livelihood. I think that's a good thing. Um, once you, you've established yourself in the marketplace uh, with a job, you're going to start to accumulate uh, money into your 401k or you're going to accumulate money um, to qualify for your, your your first house where you can um, you know now earn equity and that equity can build um, so these are all good things I think um, investing is investing at its core is investing the in the investing the extra money you have right um a lot of people think of investing as investing any money you come up on and, and try to make that 
into make it double or triple. Um, so I think it's a great thing. You know, I think it's a a great thing if you're going to go um, to any any um, higher education. Uh, you know, get your education, get into the workforce, make money, uh, establish yourself in the workforce, and and then invest the money you have. Right, investing is not going anywhere. Um, it's um, I think it's on your own time to learn how to invest, but mm-hmm. I, I can tell you now, it's it's no, it's it's going to, it's not going to serve you to know how to invest at a high level without any any money, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this <laughs> this, <laughs> and you you the billionaire investor with with you know six hundred dollars, right? <laughs> you got to keep building, bro. Like it's gonna take some time. So it's it's so for someone. For someone to say they don't teach investing in school, why go to school? You shouldn't go to school. Um, I think it's ignorant. It's just putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. You don't have any money to invest. Why would you need to learn to invest? So if, if the message is uh, don't get after you go to college and you establish yourself in the workforce, uh, with using using your degree to get there, um, don't get stuck in the day to day things of going to work, going home, taking care of the kids, taking care of the family, and not educate yourself in investing. Then I can get behind that message. But mm-hmm. these are people who are these are most likely kids that are 18 years old, maybe 18 to 21, and they have a decision to go to go to school or not go to school. And you're telling a, a kid basically that school is not going to teach you. Uh, anything about what I'm doing about investing, um, you know, you should you should go do that. It's like this person's eating noodles. They, you yeah. tell me they're gonna they're gonna make a fortune over investing, you know, three and four dollars, you know, into crypto corn- currency. Like, what are we doing really? <laughs> into cryptons. Um, <laughs> yeah. They buying cryptons. Cryptons. <laughs> Man. It's funny, like uh-huh. uh, right before, um, maybe like two years ago, somebody um, uh, referred uh, this young kid to me and he wanted to get into real estate. And I said, oh, okay, cool. I had him come by my office and, um, you know, made an appointment. We, we sat down and talked to him and I just wanted to get an idea of what he wanted to do. And um, he was 19 years old, going to school and, you know, he wanted to get into real estate. I said, okay, great. You know, I can show you exactly how to get your real estate license. That's no problem. Um, but first I said, you know, where is your income coming from? He had like, um, <coughs> I said, where's your income coming from? He had a part-time job and he was making a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, uh, how much money are you making? He told me how much money he was making. I said, what are your liabilities, right? What is your rent? Um, do you have a car? What are you paying for? Um, he tells me his liabilities. So I'm showing, I'm looking at how much he's making minus his liabilities and how much he has left in capital, mm-hmm. right? This is to invest in, in himself, right? Getting his real estate license because it costs money to get the books, et cetera. And um, it, was a, it, was, it was a small amount of money, right? To invest in himself. It's not that it couldn't be done, but it, it wasn't, you know, it would take time. Also, he had certain debt that he had to pay down. Mm-hmm. 
So I said, um, you know, the first thing you want to do is get all of the overtime you can get to start paying down this debt. Um, because the reality is, once you get into real estate, it might be months where you don't get paid, especially if you're you're just starting. Might. So, what do you What do you mean, might? You You being you, generous. You won't. You won't <laughs> get paid. All right. <laughs> And guarantee it's going to be a couple months where you're not going to see a paycheck. Right. You you won't get paid. So so what am I doing here? I'm trying to tell this young kid who's 19, who's looking at real estate as the place that, you know, you're going to blow up, right? You're going to make all this money. You're going to, you're going to get all these new cars, all these new clothes, all the women's, right? <laughs> and And you're going to be on. But I want to let him know that you know, there, there's steps to this, right? So anyway, I, I'm telling him, you know, we want to, we want to pay down this debt, um, get all the different, um, you know, all the overtime you can to start paying down this debt. Because once you go into working for yourself, you don't want all these different liabilities you have to pay for, right? It would have been nice if he had no car or a car that he had to actually pay on. Um, and then I said, he's talking about quitting school. I said, why? Like you're 19 years old. Like, finish education you'll be done in five years you'll be way younger than me and you'll have five years worth of real estate experience and a degree right why we can't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time so because entrepreneurship (laughs) man everybody want to be a businessy businessman or women it's like it's like come on like we can do we can do two things at once so um I'm not going to tell this kid, yeah, quit your job and work real estate, you know, for me. I'll make you a millionaire. Like, that would be so um, so disingenuous, and um, it will be a, like a flat-out lie, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I think we get into um, um, your ability to, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess we get into um, – that's a, a personal thing, right? A personal mm-hmm. thing for me that I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, so HBCUs and, and different, different, these different colleges aren't, aren't there to teach you investing, right? They're, they're there to teach you how to uh, position yourself to make in- income mm-hmm. so you can have money to invest and do these things about house. And it's okay if you don't do that at 18 or at 20 or at 21, like get yourself established first. So that's my rant. I forget what the question was. <laughs> I mean, that's basically, that's basically what it was. And I, I brought that up because um, a very, uh, a very well-known radio personality, I've heard him say this many times, right? And they even had a whole discussion about it on the show. But uh, recently it came up again and he said how he didn't want to bring his daughter um, to an HBCU because they didn't have a real estate investing program. And, um, and he's like, yo, they got to They got to get it together because they don't have they don't have a real estate program. And I'm like, like, first of all, you sound like you sound crazy. But uh, <laughs> he was dumb. He, yeah, he's, you sound crazy. And uh, it's like, well, I feel like school will only teach you to be workers or something. Mm. And, uh, and so and he's like, so I had, I had to bring my daughter to, um, you know, one of these private colleges because they're the only ones who had real estate curriculum, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, well, why don't they teach real estate? 
and he's someone who's in real estate, right? Yeah. Supposedly. So my question my to him to go do real estate that I'm already doing. Okay. My question to him would be, why don't you volunteer? Uh, why don't you get off your ass and volunteer and go to an HBCU and teach real estate? That'll get that'll answer your question. Yeah, that's too hard though. I mean, that's too hard. That, that requires work. <laughs> that requires like the work you want to put in to see a change. You want to see. The reason why these these other schools have a real estate program and they're they're a private college is because they probably have someone who's alumni, right? Who's in the alumni, who's had much success, maybe first or second, maybe second or third generation, mm-hmm. who doesn't mind coming back to offer their time yep. to teach. And or money. That's a huge thing right now with HBCU. They have the money people to actually, pay them. People actually coming back and giving money back yeah. to the college. So I think... I think I think a lot of times it sucks that so many like there's so many famous people who are just there's so many people who have a a, a platform that are just dumb loud and famous. Mm-hmm. And I don't I hate to call people dumb, <laughs> but I feel like sometimes you have to you have to say it in order for the message to sink in. Like mm-hmm. just because just because you're visible doesn't mean you're an expert in anything you do. You're just visible. Right. Like I saw, mm-hmm. I saw a video the other day. Um, I'm not gonna say their names, but I saw a video the other day, and it was a group of people in a room, and there was a guy who was going around the room saying, "Yo, I got the top expert in in crypto. I got the, the top expert in stocks. I got the top expert in real estate," and, mm-hmm. and he was going on. I got the top thought leader, blah blah blah. And I'm like, says who? <laughs> Like what? What do you? First of all, like you can't be the top person in real estate, and you're a residential agent. Mm -hmm. Real estate it goes far beyond buying a house. Yeah, it's so much. There's people who trade billion dollar properties every day. If you don't believe me, go on Instagram and look at Traded NY. That's the username. Go to at Traded NY or at Mm -hmm. Traded LA. And look at the value of some of these properties that trade hands. And you tell me one, if they look like us, right? And then two, if they sell houses. Mm-hmm. Which, which is but, why I'm confused about when people say we, you should, you should do real estate, right? Which I have a problem. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. You, you work in real estate. You don't do real estate. Um, but it's just so much that goes with real. I mean. You mentioned uh, residential, you mentioned um, uh, commercial, um, mortgages, title, um, escrow, uh, development, development, uh, property management. Like, where, where are you talking about? <laughs> they don't have classes on real estate. Like, <laughs> it's such a, a broad term, right? It's like, it's like if I go and I say, like, they don't have, they don't have classes on plants. It's like, well, what plants <laughs> are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it's just so, it's so much that encompass what real estate, what the term real estate means, right? And um, I think we just got to start there, like, because you don't have to be um, a fix and flipper. You don't have to be a wholesaler. Like, you can, no. you can start an escrow company, right? There you you can uh, start a 
it, it's just so many different things you can do. And I wish people would take more than a look at the industry of real estate beyond I can make a lot of money because it usually it's, stops it's, here. I'm going to do real estate to make a lot of money. It's hard. It's hard to do that when you're looking through the veil of social media. Yeah. Yeah. Because the is. people they're learning from are on social media. Mm-hmm. But I, what, what often gets overlooked is that these people are in the business of social media. Everything yeah. else is extra. Mm-hmm. The wholesale business that's extra. The, whatever it is they doing, all that is extra merch, whatever that's it's extra. They're in the business of social media marketing. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard to see through that because even the people who are selling you that believe that they're experts in what they're talking about. No, they really, so, really breathing in their own shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't listen to a guy like me talk about real estate, but you would listen to some uh, bozo who has a real estate crowd fund in Tulsa, Oklahoma or okay, Atlanta or whatever. Right, we're not, we're not going to go. In, in... <laughs> <laughs> not going to go into that. So, you know, um, but that that's what it is. Cause, cause visibility for whatever reason, man, visibility means expertise. Well, if you're actually doing the work, it's hard to sit there and, and put out so much content of you doing the work. We don't got time to do the work. It's like, you know how hard it is for us to actually post stuff? <laughs> you know how hard it is for us to sit down and do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's, uh, but, well, you know, we are committed to our listeners and we thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's come on the back of that because there are, there are, there's a guy who I listen to a lot. Super, super smart, right? I'm not going to say his mm-hmm. name because he ain't cut me a check. Mm-hmm. Super, super smart. <laughs> And he, I, I was um, watching a video of his the other day because um, I actually just joined his private Discord. And, um, and he was like, you know, I say a lot of mean things about these people that you guys listen to. I'm not a mean person. Like, I, I don't hate these people. I think these guys are smart enough to do the things that they're doing. The issue is they're committing financial manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're they're leading you and guiding you to a place that's going to be, you know, completely detrimental to, you know, to, to your financial well-being, mm-hmm. but they don't know it. Right. Yeah. Cause they, they haven't been through a cycle. They no, don't, they don't know. They don't know it. It's just a hug. And he, he's someone who he's someone who's been around. Um, and he's the crazy thing is he's not that much older than us. If he's not the same age as us. And he missed out on Amazon and Google on the IPO. Mm. He said that's the only two times he's been wrong. Every other IPO that's been pitched to him, they've all failed. Mm. But he missed out on Google and Amazon early. Right? So he's like, I saw what happened in in the dot-com bubble. This is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, where so many people, I was watching a video in like Pets, uh, pets.com like the second mm-hmm. they went they went public and put .com in their name they got like a a, a crazy uh valuation mm-hmm. just because they added .com in their name wow right that so that be. that type of stuff was was happening back then so if you look mm-hmm. at now where people are literally just like money's falling out of the sky almost 
it's very similar, not because there's just an abundance of money. It's because of how the money is being made. And people are starting to believe it because they aren't savvy enough to be able to understand the long term. And there's nothing wrong with I know we talk about the hustle a lot, like everything is hustling. There's nothing wrong with hustling. I want to make that clear. Like hustling can be the foundation to getting you to those next levels. Right. It's not there's nothing wrong with going out and making the money. Just don't be short sighted. Right. Because hustling is seasonal. Hustling is, you know, hustling is for the moment. Right. The moment always rewards the hustlers. But history always rewards the disciplined. If you look back at, at historical charts or people who have had long term success, it's because they stick to their practice not because they jumped to every single thing that popped up and we can make a dollar on. Right. So, and these people who are seen as uh, the experts and the top guys and their field, they jump on everything that comes out to tell you about it. Cause they want you to get that message from them. You know why? Because they're in the business of social media of, of, mm-hmm. of targeting attention and monetizing it everything else is extra you know what i mean so uh going back to initially before this whole rant started uh, right about you know schools and whatnot um it's you should not think of school as the way for you to get rich in terms of what you'll learn there um and i'm someone who didn't go and I'm going to go eventually. I regret not going when I had the opportunities to just go, right? Um, because my network would be a lot different. You know what I mean? Um, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know what I mean? That's, it's easy to say right. now. But, um, and because I didn't go, I, I ended up teaching myself all of this stuff. But. Hence the Google grant. Yeah. <laughs> but um don't let don't let these people fool you and mislead you into thinking everything you do has to be about making you super duper wealthy. Mm-hmm. Like especially when it comes to college. Like you don't want to you don't want to take your daughter to school because they didn't have a real estate program, bro. Like <laughs> you sound crazy. Sound absolutely crazy. And I even think about if if she even really wanted to do that. Or she of do course she else. don't. But they feel like, oh, it's, I, f- I feel like this is how I feel, right? I'm not really, I mean, I do complain a lot. But I complain about accountability. Accountability is big with me. So mm-hmm. I feel like, man, if, if, if you're willing to trash an institution on that level, do something about it. Right. And especially when it comes to HBCUs. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're supposed to be ours. And we're talking about y'all need to get y'all stuff together. Then bro, show up. Mm-hmm. Put your time up. You ain't doing nothing but buying cars and doing seminars, bro. Put your time up. <laughs> yep. Don't, don't, do don't that, wait for them. Do right <laughs> don't wait for them to try and implement some program to come teach people. Who's going to teach them? Somebody on staff? Oh yeah, we got Joe in the back room. He's going to be a new real estate teacher. Like, it, no, it, you have to get somebody who actually does it. When we ask for things, you always think somebody else can just pick it up. 
but you are that someone else. Exactly. Right. You, me, you, whoever's listening, like we are people who can go do things. Right. And I always used to think like when I was a younger, a younger kid, I'm just like, you know, 18, 19, I always felt like somebody was always in a role doing something. You know, mm-hmm. you think of adults, you're like, well, adults are handling that. But the reality is they don't know what they're doing either. Right. If, if you're willing to step up and you feel like you can do it better, right. Or more efficient, like you can do that. So mm-hmm. if you feel like um, someone's not doing anything to the best or full capacity, like step up and do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Cause you know, every, at the end of the day, everyone's just people. Right. And people are, are um, uh, fallible, you know? And if you feel like you can do something better, go ahead and do it. And I feel like I'm, I'm talking to like the kids, you know, coming up. Cause they always look, I can only speak for myself as a kid. You always think people are older than you. They just know, right? Mm-hmm. They just know and they're working on things that we're gonna need. Um, but then as you get older, you realize like, no one's really working on that, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's nobody in that position. Nope. So the thing you thought about 10 years ago is still not getting done because you didn't move. Mm-hmm. You didn't get in the position to say, well, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take on that mission, right? I'm gonna make a difference, I'm gonna do it. And it's hard to do that. So you gotta really, you gotta really figure out if, if you're gonna sit sit on, on the sidelines complain about how things are or what's not there or what they're not teaching us or what's not at the certain school. Um, you can you can be that person and you know down the people who aren't doing and, and they're working hard. I'm sure they're working hard over there to do certain things, right? On limited funds. On limited funds, right? And if you got somebody first generation is coming in and they coming from the dirt, they ain't got nothing. They probably the one person in their their in in their family that's ever went to college, and they're getting their own shoe, a shoestring budget. Like, why would their first course be um, real estate development? Like, bro, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broke. What are you talking about? <laughs> like. If, if, oh, I'm, if I'm a person that cares about somebody and I want them to have some type of footing in this life, I want to get them to a place where they can make income. You know? Even me going into this industry, I'm able to go into an industry like real estate because I have a, a, a certain safety net, right? Mm-hmm. I come from a, a two-parent household that, that has a, a, that own a home, right? If anything went real, real bad for me, I have somewhere I can be, right? Yeah. I, can, I can be out here making risk. But I'm not going to tell the person that comes from the dirt, like, you can be a real estate developer. Like, <laughs> like yeah. what's it like? And Don't go to, to school say, and learn real estate. Yeah, like, come on. Like, and it's not that, it, that those people can't attain those things. You can, but there's steps to it, right? Because the reality is any one slip and it's done. It's over because most likely you're the only one person that made it in your family. 
Mm-hmm. And you can't risk it all on, on, on being in real estate for the culture. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, we, we got to be, we got to be, like, have some, some type of, like, foundational base. Right? So, if, if you go into these, these industries where it's most likely you're not going to make money for the first six months or a year, you got to have something that's going to hold you up. And that's going to be that job that a lot of people are, are uh, putting people down for, right? It's going to be that trade in, in plumbing or electrical or whatever, right? That's going to make a decent income. I mean, a real decent income. You're talking about $75,000, $80,000. Mm-hmm. Easy, right? The average person is making like, you know, fifty nine, sixty thousand. 60000 So I always want to make it important that you can't down these people for trades that are, are really building their livelihood, right? Mm-hmm. It will allow them to invest in the future. Um, so but the point I was making is you, it's, it's dangerous to tell someone that they are not going to learn these, you know, real estate, you're not going to learn real estate at certain college. You're not going to learn investing. And the reality is you'll learn it, um, you know, after you exit, uh, you exit um, school and you have the money, you, you established yourself, investing will be there. You know, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, um, it's, um, it's unfair and potentially dangerous, uh, well, very dangerous to tell an 18 year old, 21 year old that school is not going to help them. And this is from uh, another person that didn't go to college. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> like I'm, I'm speaking from, you know, a certain amount of experience. Um, they went the route of entrepreneurship and I've done okay. Um, but there's a certain safety net that's going to allow you to move further and faster with uh, income that's coming in consistently mm-hmm. from those trades I just talked about. So yeah, attaining those type of trades and, and getting into um, a job to, to make income. So yeah, I, I mean, that, that's, think, that's true. How do people think like the world turns like, like they don't. 90% of people who work in these, now we call them essential jobs, uh, make everything run for us. So Yeah, are but we they all aren't just... visible, bro. That, that's yeah. the thing. That's, that's what I'm saying. They're not, a person who's actually doing something isn't, they're not visible. So it's easy for someone to pop up on your screen. You didn't even have to look for them. They just pop yeah. up. And it's easy for them to say, I'm I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I got... I before I, before I came back into real estate, I did six years with a company uh, with a guy who, who's been running the same company for 30 some odd years, mm-hmm. doing like five to $12 million a year, right? you know, doing electrical work. And I put on a lot of people I know there, mm-hmm. even, even uh, uh, Corey, who you, you met at the, uh, shout out Corey, shout out Seaboy, mm-hmm. the one you met at, at Joey's house that day. Right. Um, you know, got him a job there, got his start as an electrician. Now he's a railroad electrician mm-hmm. making over six figures. Right. So what do you think, what do you think his life is like now that he went and got an actual trade that paid him enough money 
to be like, I can stash some money on the side and begin to try and make this work for me. Now I can educate myself on how to make this work because I have the means to actually implement what it is mm-hmm. I'm learning right? without, without jeopardizing my actual living arrangement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. you know? And so I, I think going back to, it all comes down to visibility. And I don't think those people should be visible. I think you should, you should learn what you have to learn. Talk to whoever you have to talk to, but don't let these people who are in the business of social media influence you to just be like, I don't need, I don't need to, to go out and get specialized in my field and get a degree, or I don't need to advance, you know, in my industry. I just need to sell a thousand t-shirts mm-hmm. or create online e-commerce sites. And you can, don't get me wrong. Again, you can make money with that, but everybody, it's not going to last for everybody. Cause what the, what they're not telling you is that they've been doing that for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> they've been doing right. that for the last 15 to 20 years. And now it's popping because we're all sitting at home and there's trillions of dollars in the, in, in the streets mm-hmm. and people want to shop. But I was going to say, um, there's been a trend. Have you seen a trend of like people actually saying, quit your job? Yeah, but that, ha- that happens every time the market is pumping. It happened in 06, 07. It was mm-hmm. be financially retired, quit your job, fire your boss, mm-hmm. the whole nine. And then 2008, 2009 comes about and everybody's saying, I just want to be successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Trey Songs is singing, uh, uh, what was his first song? Uh, like Dollar in a Dream. Oh, that no, was J. Cole, Dollar in a Dream. And, and, and it's reflective in, in society and in culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, it's cyclical. As things change, the music and the movies and like just the overall temperament of the world will change. Right now, everybody's just having so much fun and having uh, access to so much money. Mm-hmm. that it feels like you don't need to have these things mm-hmm. to maintain the way you live. But the, the greatest advice I never received, I always say this, was uh, work for somebody for five to 10 years, maybe even 15, um, and then start your own business because you have the experience in that industry. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the people I know who actually have their own business, not like a you know, I made a hundred grand or a couple hundred grand off the internet or even a million, like people who actually have their own business, right? All of them worked for somebody and then started their own company in the same field. Mm-hmm. You look at Quan and Sean, Quan and Sean, uh, they were truck drivers for the, well, Sean was, Sean was in the truck for a minute, mm-hmm. but him and Quan are best friends. So when, when they decided to, you know, make that jump together, it made sense. They had somebody who was already in the field. He knew how it worked. He knew the numbers before the pandemic, before the pandemic and before, um, before the influx of all this new capital mm-hmm. that would jade people's accounting. Yeah. So for them, he's like, I know what the real numbers look like. I can get by if things go back the other way 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So there's nothing wrong with that. But just don't don't let these guys put other people in front of you that they stand next to as experts. Because I'll be the first one to tell you they don't know shit. Mm. Mm. And it's not to be mean, but it's it's the truth, man. Like nobody's telling nobody's nobody's expertise is rooted in failure. How can you tell me how to avoid it if you've never experienced it? You've only been in business in the last three or four years. Everything you know is about going up. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't know how to avoid the potholes. You only know how to drive on brand new roads. Why would I listen to you? Mm. There's no, it's, it's, I'm just saying, it's, it's just the point, man. It's like, why? Would, it's, it's hard. Not to say I wouldn't listen, but it's, it's, hard to, to, it's hard to let you advise me because I've seen failure. I've seen catastrophic failure in many people. Like back then, people were killing themselves. And we made it through that. People were jumping out of buildings. You know what I'm saying? They were, they were trying to kill their spouse. You know, like, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was wild. But I know I know we were young. We were so young that I guess. That's not something to laugh at, but I don't know why. It's true, bro. Like they, they were, yo, they needed insurance money. Like because they were they were so heavily they were so heavily Dead. invested at the top yeah. because oh it would never end mm-hmm. so you know I know what that looks like and a lot of those guys now even though we're the same age they don't because this is their first lap this is their first time around the track mm-hmm. and they're and it's gonna happen they're gonna figure it out at some point like what it actually means to experience failure on that level. But the difference is we now have the internet. So now it's also going to be visible to everyone that follows them. And that's the that's thing the that's thing. different. I don't, you know? I don't know. I don't, I think the internet is a funny thing because if you open your Instagram right now and scroll through your timeline, everybody's winning. <laughs> everybody's winning. In all areas of life, mm-hmm. their money is good. They're making so much money. Their relationships are perfect. You know, their how their kids are perfect. And the real thing about social network is, no one posts the bad. They always post the good in all in all areas of their life. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about these things, we kind of seem like doom and gloom. It's because it's not on if if it's not on my timeline, it doesn't exist. But but that's because it's normal. Like there's no need to post normal things. Why would I post something mm-hmm. so normal? If if I run if I run a <laughs> business and somebody and somebody pays me with a check and the check bounces, I'm not gonna post that because it's not I'm not thinking let me post this bounce check. Like no, that that's a normal occurrence of someone who right. owns a business, right? It's right. it's things like that that they happen. So mm-hmm. that jades the reality, though, as you mentioned, yeah, because it's, now it's, when you're, it's, yeah, it, it changes what you actually envision when it comes to running a business. And then you mm-hmm. jump in um, trying to convert your hustle into a business and it doesn't work. And not only were you, you may have left your job uh, to be self-employed, but then you'll always be self-employed because your business will never run without you. Mm-hmm. So you still got a job. 
And I, for me, running as a, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, you have a huge, uh, you have a huge responsibility, not only to the people you hire, but to the city that you work in. You know what I'm saying? Because how you treat, how you treat the, 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 the citizens there, if you have an actual brick and mortar place, mm-hmm. you become a fabric in the community. Mm-hmm. As you become more prominent, you know, in the community, you have more of a say so amongst city council because many of the decisions they make could impact the way you do business. Right. So you have to get involved. So I feel like as an entrepreneur, you have a huge responsibility to not only create jobs, but ultimately improve the areas you work in. Right. Because because mm-hmm. you you're you are a business person in this area. You have a business license that you pay for. And just like you had an office, right? Mm-hmm. People come to your office to meet you mm-hmm. in the city that you work in. And when they come see you, they go spend their tax dollars or they go spend their money at other places, mm-hmm. creating tax dollars for the city. So mm-hmm. if, if you create a situation where people come to see you in your city, you know, you're an asset to the city. Now you may, you may now have pool and leverage with city council because you bring in, in sales tax revenue. Mm-hmm. You refer them to your friends who have restaurants, who wherever, right? The, the restaurants you go to, they're like, oh, where can I eat? Oh, there's a, a taco place down the street that you can go there. Like all of that plays a part in entrepreneurship. And I, I think I think the whole idea of it has kind of gotten washed down to being self-employed. And that's whack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's cool. You don't have to flip burgers or something. But doing that until you're 70 is whack. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think we also get what it means to be an entrepreneur and a self employed person kind of mixed. An entrepreneur is someone who brings something new to the market that doesn't exist. mm -hmm. Right? Um, A self employed person is someone who um, runs a small business, right? I don't want to say mm-hmm. self-employed person, but uh, is you're running a small small business. I think most people are running a small business. They're not entrepreneurs, in the sense of the, the raw definition of mm-hmm. bringing a new product to the market that we don't know anything about, and you trying to say, no, this is going to be the next thing. Like, no, you, you Amazon for ex- for example we're going to have you pay a monthly fee and you're going to get free shipping two-day shipping that was new to the market mm-hmm. and like why would i want to pay a monthly fee to pay well because you're going to want to you know order 10 packages 10 15 packages and you're not going to want to pay seven to eight dollars for every package we're going to make you yeah. we're going to make it free right for a monthly fee of 10 or 12 dollars so bringing something new to the market is entrepreneurship. Most people are running a small business, right? You're in whatever industry you are. Maybe you, you have a cleaners, you have a, a lawn care business, uh, you run a tax business, you're a barber shop, right? You run a small business. Um, and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Mm. I mean... If, if you look at the numbers, I mean, you probably look them. I haven't looked at them in a long time, but if you go to a uh, small business administration, you can probably look up the amount of small businesses that it, there are in the United States. 
And I remember a few years back, it was something like, it was well over 90% of the businesses in the US were made up of small business owners, right? So and that speaks to you being part of the fabric of your community, but also like most of the income revenue of yeah. the whole country. So um, you can, it. it's okay to run, you know, a small business is making and small business, they could even be, you know, gross income, 500,000 millions of dollars is still considered a small business. Mm-hmm. But I think the word entrepreneurship is just so sexy for people. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. So I think it's easy to get caught in the glitz and glam of what it means to be an entrepreneur because every day of being an entrepreneur or a small business owner is just work. You know, yeah. I don't know why we don't glorify the, I'm a w, W2 earner. You know, they need a new sexy word for it, I guess. Well, but, but nobody knows. How, very, nobody, very nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows how they work. Nobody knows what that means. Like the, people don't know what things mean. They just know, they know the words. They don't know what W2 yeah. means. They don't know what uh, 1099 means. They don't know what K1s mean. No schedule Ks. They don't. They don't know what none of this stuff means. But the guys who are telling them get your LLC, and they, nobody's telling you how you're going to get paid, mm-hmm. right? And 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 stuff or how to pay yourself. And then that's when you get screwed. Or you go listen to the CPA guy that I showed you the other day, who said go buy a G wagon, and you can you can write it off. <laughs> no, you can't. That's not that's not how it works. <laughs> like. That is not accounting. You will be audited and hit with a tax bill. Like, so it's, you know, and the crazy thing is he's a CPA, which is, that's wild. Like he's actually certified, but um, you know, it's, it's all of that kinds of stuff, yeah. man. It's just, it's and, and for me, man, one of my goals, one of my goals, um, which we talked about before is to take a company public. And it's, it's more so about what it means for, uh, business people like us more than it is about me, mm-hmm. you know, because 90, 90 some odd percent of the jobs that are created amongst these companies happen after the IPO. Mm-hmm. Right. So if here's why we don't have, why we don't have business on that level or businesses on that level, say you create a business, you're doing, you're doing 30 million in revenue right now before you even go public you get an offer from if you have a media company say you have a media Mm -hmm. company 30 million in revenue or i just i even say net income 30 million in net income Mm -hmm. right maybe 150 million in revenue or something like that and then you get an offer from someone like viacom for like 10 billion (laughs) peace out right right because there aren't enough of us in that position to step in and do that for each other Mm -hmm. so we're trying to we're trying to take everyone out the workforce and make them self-employed but nobody's trying to go public so that way when by the time you grow your media company you go public and you you uh scale your business to billions of dollars by the time the next one comes up from someone who looks like you, they don't have to work with Viacom. Mm-hmm. 
Right. You can step in and and, and make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why. That's why certain groups groups of people retain wealth. We get stuck thinking small, and I know it's hard to say making a couple million dollars on the internet is thinking small, but it is. Like you make a couple million dollars on the internet by yourself. Okay, you get to go on trips mm-hmm. and buy nice things. Like, what? What else? Like, what else happens? Like, what are you? What are you really doing? At, in terms of the grand, you know, the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. going public gets us on the gets us on the game board. Mm-hmm. It's our it's our game piece, like we used to say. So that way, when other black entrepreneurs, right, like real entrepreneurs, do develop their own businesses and scale them up. They don't have to get bought out by these other large companies. Mm-hmm. They have a resource. They have a hand up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think I think that's why it's important to really focus on, you know, get your money, get your short term money, but don't lose sight. If you're truly an entrepreneur, don't lose sight of the overall goal. The only way we can grow our wealth in this country is if we continue to go public and create real jobs, real meaningful jobs, Mm -hmm. right? And continue to build with each other on that level. That's the only, that's the only way because we're, we're the only people who understand where we come from. Now, whether we use it correctly or not, it's a different story, but we're the only people who understand our neighborhoods that way, but we won't make the investment. So it, it will be, it will be where, wherever you come from, you'll be in that neighborhood and you'll say, man, why we don't have uh, a Trader Joe's here or why we don't have a such and such here. Well, it's clear because those people make investments based on demographics. Mm-hmm. And while they may not know that the, the demographics would actually work out, maybe they're not going to take that chance because it doesn't fit their criteria. Yeah. But who who understands that? Who understands that more than the people who live there? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. So if if you come from these areas, and it and it comes time for some form of public investment, then you have the means to do so. You run a public company. You can completely change how this area runs. Yep. Because yeah. you come from there. You also uh, the the commercial broker is also an asset because who do you think pitches these companies mm-hmm. to come come to these different areas right if um if, if i'm pitching a developer it says hey this this um de- demographic of these people in this certain area um th- they're gonna ask right the demographics like this you know black and mexicans right whatever it is and uh they make this amount of income and a Trader Joe's would be sufficient because they don't have uh, a grocery store within a three mile radius, right? They have to travel six miles to the nearest grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. This is the type of products they want. It's the pro- type of products they need. So if I'm a, a commercial broker and I know, like you said, to your point, I know the area, I know what the community needs and I pitch that to a Trader Joe's or whoever um, you know, we have, it, it, it's useful for you, uh, builder to build this grocery store. And I also have Trader Joe's is going to come in 
and be your anchor tenant. Right? These are how deals, these are how deals are made. All right. It's not just they should build this. It's like, well, no, why they have to be some type of money, revenue for them that that would justify them building that property there. Mm-hmm. Right. And who who better to tell them what the area is and who the community is than people who come from that, right? Mm-hmm. Who can pitch the numbers. So um which is another reason why we need more people. Uh, for one, in the real estate industry, mm-hmm. and and for two, in in different sectors of the industry, right? Um, so we can really, really start building things from the ground up, and we we can we can get people in these certain areas, but it has to make sense, right? So, just for that, the example we talked about having a trade a trade job, right, where you make eighty thousand or six figures um, as an electrician. Now you live within that community. You make the money. You make the income for someone like us who wants to pitch a Trader Joe's to build um, a grocery store in a neighborhood mm-hmm. because we know that we went to school. We, we got trades. We got jobs, six-figure jobs, and the money is there for those companies to to build in that area so this is how things work from like all the way down you know micro level all to micro micro, um, uh, macro level um is everything we need everything (laughs) we need we need everything at the same time right so we don't need everyone to be a businessy businessman no right We, we need people who have jobs, who, who, um, we need everything at the same time. So mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want to feel like, like people who, who may be listening to something online that, that what they're doing isn't sufficient, right? It's, it's part of what's going to make the community when you need to pitch something that, that you want to bring to the community, something of value, but it can't, it can't be brought if there's no one there who makes that type of income right or or not even that want, it's want to sell it it's that's part of it but what what i'm saying is the normally the part like you mentioned that investment wouldn't be made if the income wasn't there right but if you're from that area and you're capable of making that investment on your own because you've scaled your business to a certain level and you've gone public and all that you'd be able to do that yeah 100 percent. right you'd so be able like, to, to yeah. implement whatever you need to implement or or create whatever resources necessary because you have the means to do so like remember we went to go look at the budget the city budget for rialto like 12 mm-hmm. years ago and the city was only mm-hmm. in debt 10 million dollars so if you're if if you're a C if you go public today you're you're a billionaire. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. So for you to take for you to 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 sell off a little bit of shares, and and do some things with the city you come from, that's nothing. You know that like that's literally nothing. It, it, it's mm-hmm. a drop in the bucket, but other people won't do it because they don't understand the area like we do. But instead mm-hmm. of us using it for our benefit we use it against each other 
Oh, I would never do that there. Hmm. But that that's why I'm glad. I'm glad to see like recently in the in the last five years, if you notice, there's been like a, a really strong trend of like food trucks in the city, right? Yeah. And it's it's cool to see that because these are people who come from the area and they're able to provide like alternative like fresh food alternatives in areas that wouldn't normally have access to it. You know, trap kitchen tacos and all that, they pop up in the projects all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, would, would the in and out truck be in the projects? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> no. So, no. you know, we have to, we have to adjust. We have to change our mindset and learn to use that. Learn, learn to use our understanding of these environments for our benefit. You know what I'm saying? And then we can create real entrepreneurs from these areas that actually go out and do something, right? Look at even Nas. We talked about Nas earlier, made a huge investment in Coinbase, you know, in 2013 and like 10X his money. Now he's like a real person. He's a real player. Right. You know what I mean? So if if he wants to go and do another one or two of those, or even take another company public, by that time he'd be able to probably really you know enact change in an, in the area he came from, outside of just being from there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, that for me, that's that's a big thing for me because I just get tired of seeing all these all these people who are visible and just have them seen as experts, especially when you know there's a ton of other people out here who are actually working. But, um, and it just seems so short-sighted. Mm-hmm. And we're losing sight of the overall goal of, of scaling these businesses up, taking them public and providing jobs in communities that want, that wouldn't get those opportunities. Yeah, you know? I agree. I agree. So, so, you, so you're basically saying it is not enough to to be from an area. It's important to build in that area. No, why? Why come back and build? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to live there, but your money can be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Your money can be at work there. You don't have to still live. I'm not saying that like, go live in an apartment in your old neighborhood after you mm-hmm. making fifty million dollars right. a year. I'm no, but your money can still be working in these areas and like make your presence mean something yeah. outside of a photo opportunity. It's like, oh, you right. seen, you seen such and such. He was in the projects today. Let me get a picture wearing three million dollars worth of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Like, that's real, cool. Came back. That's cool. Like I'm not saying don't buy the jewelry. I'm just saying like make your presence mean something beyond just the opportunity to be seen next to you, and then because your money is already gone, you live in a totally different area. You you pay property tax somewhere else, a bunch of property tax. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So do something just try to at least do something be involved see what see what you can do and i'm not saying you have to broadcast it but if enough of, if enough of us do that at the same time that's how we'll see change in 10 20 years but if everybody's out here like yo give me my money so i can go fly to dubai and tulum and wear designer clothes and all that other stuff we ain't gonna get nowhere and in 10 years from now We'll be having the same marches and the same conversations and and the police is still going to be beating us up. <laughs> I'm sorry. But... <laughs> <laughs> so... 
I'm sorry, but it's but, true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh mm. so yeah, I think uh I think we could wrap it up now, but I just wanted yeah. to really make that known. Yeah, I think uh you know. it's all been said. <laughs> we'll leave some for the next podcast. Um mm-hmm. join us next week on Monday. Uh, we appreciate y'all for being here. We thank and appreciate uh, each one of you for listening, taking the time to listen, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple or watching us on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Um, so we appreciate you again. And um, thanks for coming and see you next week, Monday. This and, is and uh, make Rich Black sure, Monday podcast. <laughs> make sure you guys comment, like, and subscribe. You know, smash the... Uh, <laughs> I got to get my YouTuber on, right? Smash that like button, as they say, <laughs> you know, because uh, that lets that lets the YouTube algorithm know that you guys want to see more content from us. So uh, right. if there was anything that spoke to you tonight, go ahead and drop it in the comments, and, you know, we, and we can yeah. discuss it um, and subscribe and like the video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we uh, we'll High see five us when you out. Absolutely. So right. he's out.